Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good morning, Summit family. How are you this morning? Good. Good. It is so good to be with you. My name is Steph McCoy. I'm the missions and outreach pastor here at Summit. Uh, And I am just so grateful that you chose to worship with us this morning. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you're tuning in, that you chose to be with us today. So it's going to be a great day, mostly because we're looking at God's Word and not because I'm standing right here. But I am just humbled and honored to to share God's word with you today, and I know, um, I hope and pray that it speaks to your heart like it has mine, but uh, before we jump in, I just want to share an announcement. Um, we had a member of our church, his name was Rick Reifendeifer, in April of this year, he passed right around Easter, um, and so we are having a service at four o'clock today, and we are live streaming that. Um, it'll be on Facebook as well as YouTube, and so we are honoring his life. He was um, a big part of our church and just an encouragement to all of the staff, and so we love him, and and we love his family, and so we're honoring him in that way, and so you can tune in if you knew Rick, and you you want to support the family, you can tune in that way, okay, but um, we are continuing our series in Jonah, so today we are in Jonah chapter 2, we are in part 2 of Jonah, Uh, last week Mel talked about Jonah chapter 1. And I want to encourage you, Jonah is not just a little kid's Bible story. There is a lot for God to teach us and show us. And if you want to get the richness and the beauty out of it, uh, be sure to go back and watch uh, Mel's message if you didn't hear it. And we are recommending a book uh, with this series called The Prodigal Prophet by Tim Keller. Uh, so again, if you want an additional resource to study as we go through this series, I encourage you to pick that up wherever you need to. But I want to go ahead and, and just give you a recap um, of Jonah chapter 1. So maybe... Uh, you're like me and you have like short-term memory loss and you already forgot everything, where we're at today. Um, or maybe you just missed it last week. So where we're at today, um, in Jonah chapter 1, what happened is there's this man named Jonah. He is a prophet of God and prophets speak the words of God to the people. That is their, you know when people say, you had one job, that's their one job, okay? Say, one job, speak the words of God to the people, share the message with humanity. And so um, God said, Jonah, go to this powerful city called Nineveh. Jonah was very familiar with Nineveh and the people that were there. There um, in Nineveh resides the Assyrians who didn't have the best reputation, I mean, kind of brutal people, uh, didn't follow God whatsoever, and Jonah honestly just couldn't stand these people, and he was like, you want me to go where? (laughs) I'm not going to Nineveh, God. I don't see a good reason that this would benefit me or them, because I know them, and I know how they're going to respond, and so Jonah says, I'm not going over here to Nineveh where you told me to go. I'm going to go over here to Tarshish, where I want to go. And so Jonah gets on a boat with a bunch of pagan sailors who don't know God. And they get on a boat and they are sailing away whenever a massive, uh, incredible storm comes that is just the waves are crashing in, their boat's about to break, and, and they're like, Where this is divine, where is it coming from? And finally Jonah's like It's my fault, guys. Uh, he just confesses, This is I'm the one running from God. And he the guys are like Like, why would you run from your God, right? And so he's like, it's my fault. Just throw me overboard. Maybe then the storm will stop. Because at this point, they're just thinking they're all all doomed. Um, So they do. They just toss him overboard. Um, It was probably a little more dramatic than that. So they toss him overboard, and then uh, the storm does, in fact, stop its raging. and, And they knew, like, 
this God just stopped the storm? Who is this God that Jonah speaks for, or is supposed to speak for, that Jonah serves? Um, so we begin to see that the reason that Jonah is here is because he had a problem with what God asked him to do. But he also had a problem with God because he thought, how could a good God ask me to do this? Ask me to go to these people. They could kill me. They could hurt me. So he doubted the goodness and the justice and the wisdom of God because he thought, I knew better. I know them. I know their hearts. I know me. I know better. And the truth is, we all have this issue. (laughs) Maybe just I have this issue. I'll speak for myself. I have this issue where I think I know better than God sometimes. Because from the very beginning, the enemy's been lying to us. You, you can be like God. You can, you can know. It won't hurt you. You won't surely die. And as we, as we jump into chapter 2 today, as we look at what's happening, I want to encourage you and, and ask you, I guess I should say, to look at this through the lens of like, if you're Jonah, what is happening in the present moment? Because maybe, maybe you know what, what the Bible says about what happens at, afterwards with Jonah. Maybe you know what happens next in chapter 3. But the thing is, Jonah did not know his chapter 3. And in the same way, we don't know our chapter 3 either. And so let's look at this just with the, the lens of, of what's really going on. So maybe it helps for us to picture ourselves as Jonah, right? We've been tossed in the sea. We've been running from God. And we're like, you know what? In order to save everybody else, just throw me in. Just toss me in. And so our body hits the waves and, and the waves are still crashing over us. It's, it's lightning. It's storming. It's the dark. It's the worst thing you've ever experienced. I don't even, I can't even think of a storm this bad, but it's the worst thing you've ever experienced. And as you're pulled down and as you're pulled under, you're holding your breath and you try not to let any water get in because you know, I'm, I'm probably going to drown. I'm probably going to die here. And you're pulled down lower and lower. And as you're pulled down, you can actually feel the water start to calm. And you know that God just stopped the storm. And so as you're thinking, I I don't know how much more breath I have in my lungs before they just burst. I don't know how much longer I can hold this. I'm going to die here. You're just thinking, this is it. I don't know about you, but I am terrified of drowning. Like, definitely a scary thought for me. Um, I've had, <laughs> I'm not the best swimmer. I can be athletic sometimes, but I'm not the best swimmer for sure. You don't want me on your swim team. Um, when I was in college, I had to take a class called Water Safety Instructor Course, which is basically a fancy way of saying jump into a pool at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays and learn how to do a swim class. And it was pretty awful. Um, it was definitely one of the worst classes I ever experienced in high school. And my professor one time, he just, I was already a little insecure. So he just lifted me up and he said, Steph, well, I should say, first of all, I got an A in that class. But second of all, he said, Steph, you kind of look like a bear crawling through the water. Like, I'm just trying to do a normal free stroke. You, you look like a bear crawling through the water. So that really boosted my self-esteem. Um, but whether you're a good swimmer or not, I know you can. If you've been to the ocean, you have been in this place where you're just like bopping along in the waves, having fun. And then all of a sudden you see this gigantic wave coming at you and you're like, 
what do I do? <laughs> do I go under? Do I try to go against it? And you just get, before you can even make a decision, you're just plummeted, doing somersaults on the bottom, hitting your head off the shore, and you're like washed up like a starfish on the side. That has for sure happened to me. And so Jonah is being hit by a storm, hit by the waves, being pulled down. And in chapter 1, verse 17, the very last verse of chapter 1, here's where we're at today. The Lord and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. See, God orchestrated this fish to swallow Jonah. And this whole time, he's holding his breath. And finally, I'm no marine biologist, but I know that that if I'm being swallowed by a fish, I'm going in the mouth, in the esophagus, and into the stomach. And finally, when the water goes out of the gills, I sound smart, don't I? I did some research on fish this week. When the water is expelled from the gills, finally, Jonah's like, oh my gosh, I can breathe again. But he's also probably like, where am I? Where am I right now? So um, he goes from thinking, I'm going to die in the sea, drown, to I'm going to die in this fish in the sea. So circumstances aren't, aren't looking a whole lot better right now. But before we move on, I think it's just a little important to address this fish. <laughs> because at some point, sometimes this fish thing, being swallowed by a fish, goes from, we go from being like, oh, good story, to, oh, what a cute story for those kids to believe. Uh, their imagination is so big, they believe a, that a man could be swallowed by the fish. So I've been doing some research, like I said, and I've been looking up some fish. The real, I'll tell you the results. The result is that no one knows what kind of fish it was that swallowed Jonah. But what I know about our God is that he is the creator of all things, and so this could have been a particular fish that he created just for this moment. And in all seriousness, it really doesn't matter what fish it was. If, if the Bible says it happened, then it happened. And so for the, for the fun of it, though, I want to show you the fish I've been looking at. So we can, we can throw this guy up on the screen. This one is called the whale shark. Not sure if you can kind of get a glimpse of how massive this thing is. The little diver's legs at the top might show you that. Um, his body can certainly go in that mouth. So the whale shark, whom I'm never going to, no one's ever going to want to swim in the ocean again after this. He can grow up to 40 feet long and weigh 40 tons. Last time I checked, no human was 40 feet long. So I think this guy can fit in. Um, the next guy, his name is the sperm whale, and he looks a little nicer. He look, doesn't he look like he's kind of like smiling? He's like getting, he's like, oh, dinner right there, that little diver. Um, he can grow to 62 feet long, which is about, you know, 10 humans or whatever. And um, he's known for swallowing unusually large objects, just like, just like 15-foot shark, just swallows them sometimes. Um, so these two, these two amphibians, these two species are, um, are not unknown to this part of the world that Jonah's in right now. And actually... There are two documented um, reports in history of men who have been swallowed by that last one. Swallowed by the sperm whale and lived to tell about it afterwards. So you can look it up yourself if you don't believe me, okay? Um, but more than all of this is that Jesus confirmed Jonah was indeed swallowed by a fish. 
Indeed, he was. In Matthew 12, 40, it says, For just as Jonah, this is Jesus talking, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. See, the Bible tells us he was in for three days and three nights. If we're looking at this through the the lens of the current moment, Jonah has no idea how long he's going to be in this circumstance in the situation. He doesn't know it's, I shouldn't say only, I can't imagine being in like 10 seconds in the mouth of a fish. He doesn't know it's going to be three days. This was only temporary relief unless God provided another act of deliverance. And so this circumstance is orchestrated to teach Jonah something that he desperately needed to know. And sometimes in my life, and maybe in yours, God orchestrates things to teach you something that you desperately need to know. And oftentimes, it's, it's a little harder than we might think. I, I don't know about you, but I hate conflict. I hate hard conversations. I hate awkwardness, even though I'm usually the one being awkward. I hate it all because I just want there to be peace, right? But many of us dislike trials, but we can agree that it's the hard times, it's the difficult times that yield much fruit, that we learn the most important lessons from God in these moments. And so Tim Keller, he says, the author of the book, he says, the unusual place to learn the greatest secrets of God's grace is at the bottom. And so God had told Jonah, he said, arise and go. And Jonah's actions proved, he said, no. No, I don't trust your words, God. I don't trust your plans. I'm going to do something else. See, Jonah, the Lord had a purpose for Jonah. The Lord had a purpose for Jonah, and he had a purpose for the Assyrians. That's why he asked Jonah to do this in the first place. But Jonah thought, I know, I know the hearts. I know what's going to happen. And Jonah's decisions, sometimes our decisions, and sometimes the decisions of others, it led him to a place of waiting it led him to a place of feeling stuck, feeling forgotten, feeling hopeless. The prophet of God, one job, speak the words of God. He's wondering, is, this, is God even ever going to use me again after this failure, after this mistake? See, Jonah's pride and his fear and his opinion of who God should and should not show mercy to has led him to this place, waiting And sometimes the same has happened for me, where I'm hurt, people hurt, family or close people around me, and I think, God, I know, don't show mercy to them. They hurt me. They hurt my people. And I get stuck. But Jonah is here. This is where we see Jonah is today. And maybe you've felt like Jonah. Maybe you've not swallowed swallowed by a fish. I hope not. But you can be swallowed by pride. I've been swallowed by pride. Maybe, maybe you, you're swallowed by fear thinking, why would a loving God, God does not know what's best for me. Maybe you're swallowed by judgment. It's just a little bitty bit of judgment that you don't even say outwardly, but inwardly. Maybe you do say outwardly. To the people that you can't stand, to the people you hate the most, and God never gave us this kind of authority. And we can't always see his good reasons for things, right? 
The Bible says that his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And it's probably good, right? His ways are higher. His ways are, are better. And so today I just want to encourage you, if the Lord said to you, arise and go, whatever it is, you can trust him at his word. Whatever he said to do, do the last thing he said. Because you can trust whatever that was. Arise and go forgive. Arise and go pursue. Arise and go give, be generous. Whatever it is, you can trust him. And you can rest assured that in the waiting, in the time that you feel stuck, God is still working in you. Because just like Jonah, he's teaching us something that we desperately need to know. So chapter 2. You ready? We're here. Chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah was in the fish. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. So what we see here is Jonah chapter 2 is actually just his entire prayer while he's in the belly of the fish. So if you ever do find yourself in this circumstance, you're going to know what to pray. So it wasn't until Jonah was swallowed by the fish, swallowed by his circumstances, that we see his heart began to change. He, he finally turned to God. It wasn't when all the other destruction was happening, when he was being um, like mocked by the sailors and criticized when he had been thrown in the sea. It was when he was swallowed by him circumstances that he was like, God, I have nothing left. I am at the bottom. See, here in the belly of the fish, Jonah said, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And so this shows he's in a dark place, a very dark place. Because Sheol is this word that's used for the realm of, of punishment and death. So he's thinking, this is the end. This is death. But he says, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. He heard my voice. See, Jonah thought, he, he's never going to hear me. I've run as far as I can. But we can never run so far that the Lord can't see us, that the Lord can't find us. And that is an assuring thing. That's not a scary thing. That's an assuring thing because of who our God is. That we can't run from his presence. So even today, no matter where you are, you can call out to the Lord with a heart that's just ready to hear from him. He will answer. And he speaks a lot of the time in his word. And so I want to show you that he does speak in his words. Psalm 139, 7, it says, Where, this is David speaking about God, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Now, if you've got kids in your life or if you've got people in your life that you love, for me, I, I could say this to my nephews, I adore them so much, no matter what you do, I will still love you. No matter where you go or where you run, I will always love you. And God doesn't say this, this isn't God's heart for us. He doesn't say this to us so that, he does say it to us, but he doesn't say it so that we can just take advantage of his love and take advantage of his grace. It's so that we can know with full security and full confidence, this is who I am. And this is my love for you. And it won't change. 
And that's the God that we get to serve. Verse 3 to 6. This is still Jonah's prayer. For you cast me into the deep. Talking about God. You cast me into the deep. Into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over, my, over to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. He's like, this is it. But yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. See, God could have rescued Jonah in countless ways. But he knew this fish, this thing that Jonah would have never expected is going to lead him to a place to pray is going to lead him to a place to turn back to me in prayer. And in the same way God uses things in my life, this is going to lead Steph back to my heart. This is going to help her see people the way that I want her to see them. He does that in our lives because he's kind. Remember last week Mel said, not every storm that happens in our life is because of sin, but every sin does lead to a storm. See, Jonah's sin led to a storm, a physical storm (laughs) and other storms. But in his kindness, Jonah begins to see in his kindness God sent the storm so that he could be rerouted, so that he could be turned back to the love of a God that he had full assurance, this is the God that never fails, that never gives up. See, Tim Keller says, the Bible doesn't say every difficulty is a result of sin. But it teaches that for Christians, every difficulty can help reduce the power of sin over our hearts. Storms can wake us up to truths we would otherwise never see. Storms can develop faith, hope, love, patience, humility, and self-control in us that nothing else can. And innumerable people have testified they found faith in God because a storm drove them to God. See, in verse 6, Jonah, Jonah begins to praise God. He's He was at the end of his rope, and finally he starts to praise God. He didn't, there's no assurance that he's getting out of this fish. He's still in a horrible situation. But as he began to praise God and say, God, you brought me out of the pit, gratefulness began to rise up in Jonah. And in the same way, when we praise God before the deliverance, we'll see gratefulness rise up in us too. We'll see gratefulness come up in our lives where we're like, God, I didn't even know I could be grateful for anything right now, but you've shown me so much that you have given me, how faithful you've been to me, God. And you know, sometimes when the deliverance does come, it doesn't always look like we think it should. Like for Jonah, I'm not sure he thought my deliverance is to be in the belly of the fish. Maybe if I was Jonah, I would think my deliverance is going to look something a little more like a lifeboat or at least like a log that I can just hold on to, anything, but not this. And sometimes the deliverance doesn't look like we look like, I mean, look like we think it should look like, but remember his ways are higher and he knows this is deliverance for my child. This is what my child needs so that a beautiful work can be done in their hearts, so that my kingdom can be expanded, so that my glory can be made known. I know what deliverance is for my children. See, 
sometimes we forget the deliverance that God has shown us, that God has given us. Oftentimes, um, I'll just speak for myself again, when, when I forget the mercy that I've been given, I begin to judge people for the way that I used to be, for the things that I used to do. And I can begin to judge them, and when I do that, I'm showing zero kindness. I'm showing zero, zero mercy. But the Bible says at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the cross, the ground is even. Because from the Assyrians to the prophets, from the people in Indiana to the people in El Salvador to all around the world, we are all even at the foot of the cross. And may I even, uh, I don't know if I should go there. Okay. I was going to say, I'll say what I was going to say. Even even the worst of, even the people that you think, they don't deserve it at all. At the foot of the cross, we all say, Jesus, we need only you. So my encouragement today is just, just remember the deliverance that you've been given. But remember that it was God who brought you up. It was not you. Verse 7 says, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I love the NIV version of this, of verse 8. It says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away God's love for them. See, in this passage, in this context, Jonah's talking about um, the pagans who, who literally worship physical statues and idols. And, and he starts to have a little bit of mercy, like, they're missing out. They're missing out on God's love. When they worship that and not God, they're missing out. But he fails to see the subtle statues, the subtle idols that he worships in his own heart. That leads him away from the heart of God. And for you and for me, I, I know I know the things in my heart that no one else sees. I know that I can, I can desire man to affirm me. I can desire man's approval before God's. And God knows, and we know, we have to ask God, God, search our hearts because, God, you know the boundaries we, we cross. You know the comforts we seek, God. And every single idol, every single thing that we begin to worship, it says in the passage, it's, it's leading us away from God's love. So an idol, idol blocks God's love for us. See, the, the book, The Prodigal Prophet, it explains three reasons why it can be difficult for us sometimes. It can be difficult to understand why we desperately need God's grace. Because we can just walk around, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian, I'm saved, I believe in God. But there's, there's some reasons that I want us to see why we desperately need it. That we are lost without it. Number one is, in our culture, in our society, we can be told... Hey, determine right and wrong for yourself. Don't let anyone ever make you feel guilty. Whatever you say is true, that's what's true. We know this is not what the Bible says, right? Because the Bible's central message that, that we are guilty sinners, it's a little oppressive towards this other idea, right? Doesn't doesn't come off the right way. The second thing, the second reason it can be difficult is because we believe we can repair or fix our relationship with God on our own. We believe, you know what? I'm smart. I, 
can do enough good. God can't resist me. <laughs> we can do enough good. I, I, I know, I know I was going this way, but like I'll just I'll just go to church a few more times and then like God, God'll know like, I'm getting serious about this thing. Right? We assume that. And the third and probably the most important in my eyes is that we don't understand how costly salvation is. The salvation that God provides, we don't understand how costly it is. That the only reason we can call out to God in close to death, in near death, or at any point, is because Jesus laid down his life to secure our forgiveness. That's the only reason we can even speak the name of God. So to summarize, we're guilty sinners who deserve condemnation. We cannot save ourselves. In fact, we are just completely incapable of saving ourselves. And thirdly is that God gave us salvation, but it costs him an infinite amount. It costs him so much. This was not cheap grace. And sometimes we think, oh, if I'm really going to appreciate grace, then I have to have this dramatic story where I was strung out on drugs and I was shot and now I'm this new person who's a, a completely new person. The Bible says you become a new creation when you believe in Jesus. You become someone entirely new. And so for me, my story is not this dramatic story. I was saved at a youth camp in Tennessee. I, I realized that I was a sinner who needed God's grace, and I walked forward and said, God, I want to follow you. That, that was it. But it was still dramatic because of what Christ did on my behalf, right? See, uh, in the book it says, I love this quote, if you were a hundred times worse than you are, your sins would still be no match for God's mercy. See, we can have this high view of ourselves where we think, yeah, I kind of need his grace. Or we can have this really low view of ourselves where it's like, I'm worth nothing. Either way, well, none, none is right. But either way, we desperately need the grace and the mercy of God. Keller says, no human heart will dare to believe in such a free, costly grace until it is the only hope. Sometimes we have to be shown that it's the only hope that we have. And so I just want to encourage us to, to recognize our need for grace because if we don't, if I don't, I will worship things that lead me away from God's heart. And idolatry also blocks other people from receiving God's grace. And if you've got people in your life that you love, I'm sure you don't want anything to block them from knowing God, from knowing his grace and mercy. See, Jonah, Jonah didn't realize that by him, he worshiped God and he said, God, if, if what it means to serve you will benefit me and will benefit my nation, then, then I'll serve you. I'm good. And so because he disobeyed, because he ran away and worshiped his idea of a God, the Assyrians didn't come to know his grace at this point. The Assyrians never got to see the mercy of God that God desperately wanted to show him show them through Jonah. See, all the while when we, are, when we are seeking other things, we can be prone to put a barrier up and to worship other things, subtle or not. And all the while God's saying, I'm trying to free you. And if you loved me and worshiped me supremely, all of these things that control you and drive you and enslave you would just fall away. 
Because if you truly just followed me and loved me supremely, you'd be totally free. And that's the God that we get to worship. Verse 9, coming down the home stretch. Verse 9, this is the end of the prayer. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Jonah's saying, God, with gratefulness in my heart now, I'm going to sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. I just love the way that it says vomit, you know? Just really gives you a great picture of what it looks like. No, but Jonah says, God, what I vowed I will pay. What you asked me to do, my one job from the very beginning to speak your words, to follow you, God, I'll do it. I put my life, I surrender my life again to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. And he also says, he ends his prayer with salvation belongs to the Lord. This is the main point of the entire Bible, right? Salvation belongs to the Lord. He gives it to us. See, for Jonah, he knew this personally. He knew God has saved me. God will save me. God doesn't just save us part way and then we come in like, oh, I'm good enough a little bit and then, yay, I'm a Christian now. No, God saves us wholly. It is only him that saves. We have no part in it except to confess and believe. That's it. This is the gospel. And Jonah also realized salvation does not come from a race. Salvation doesn't come from a nation. It doesn't come from man at all. It only belongs to the Lord. See, when Jonah recognized this, when Jonah recognized salvation is only God's, he gives it to me. I've done nothing, and he still pursues me. As soon as he recognized this, he was released onto dry land, released back into life again. The real deliverance, though, is not the release from the fish. The real deliverance is for Jonah and for us, is when we acknowledge our sin and when we turn to God and he forgives us, when we confess our sin to him and he restores that relationship that we, that we have broken. See, if, if God is not doing a deep a work in our heart where we are repentant and turning the other direction, whether we're in the fish or we're on the dry land, we're still going to be the same. We can still be worshiping the idols, right? God has to do a deep work in our heart. You know the saying, wherever I go, there I am. It doesn't matter if you're in the fish or the dry land. But when God does a deep work in your heart, he can use you anywhere. And so when we see, we see that there are moments of repentance in Jonah. But we also see from Jonah that repentance is more than a one-time event. It's more than, I believe in God, salvation, Repentance is continual. Repentance is seeing sin the way God sees it and saying, no, I have to go in the other direction because I don't want to put up idols. I don't want to block myself or anyone from knowing the grace and the mercy of a loving God. And so I want to encourage you today to let repentance, let, let God examine your heart every single day. God, how, how, am, I, how am I serving you? God, what do you want to strip away in my life? I know that if I just pursue you, 
God, you're going you're gonna to show me more of your grace. See, even Paul, who wrote the New Testament, he knew we are prone to sin just like Jonah. It's in our sin nature what we're born into. He says in Romans 7, the trouble, so the trouble is not with the law. The trouble is not with what God says. For it's spiritual and it's good. The trouble is with me. And today as you read this, I want you to read it for yourself. The trouble is not with God. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. He says, I, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. I actually do what I hate. And the sin that's living within me is the one that's leading me to do it. See, the only way, Paul goes on to say, the only way we can fight this war within us is by Jesus Christ. It's by the spirit that he gives us to become like him. Not to become God, to be, become more of his image, to reflect his character to this world. Unfortunately, this makes me sad, but unfortunately we're going to see that despite Jonah's breakthrough, he didn't grasp this grace as deeply as we thought. That he missed, that he misunderstood. And if Jonah is susceptible to missing God's grace, then we must take caution ourselves. We must learn from this ourselves. Because I know that, I know that when I am choosing to withhold mercy, withhold grace from someone, I know at the core of it, it's actually a misunderstanding of God's grace on my part. Because if I truly knew the grace and mercy that I've been given, I wouldn't want to withhold that from anyone. Every single human needs, it's even at the foot of the cross. Every single human deserves to know the mercy and the grace of God. See, Jonah's repentance was partial. And yes, our repentance can be partial too because we're human, but God deserves our full repentance. He deserves it all. And I love that despite his partial repentance, Jonah's, our merciful God still worked in him. He said, no, I want Jonah. I will go find him. I will go pursue him. I'll do whatever it takes because that is my child and I'm gonna use him for my glory. And so God is faithful. It says in Philippians, God is faithful to complete the work that he started in us. It's all him. It's always been him. And the truth is most of us are like Jonah. And just like God didn't give up on Jonah, he didn't give up on us either. And when we, when we prove that Jesus confirmed that Jonah was in the belly of a fish three days and three nights in Matthew 12, verse 40, we read that. And then in verse 41, the next verse, it says, Jesus is saying, now someone greater than Jonah is here. Right now, someone greater than Jonah is here, and he's talking about himself. And when he's talking about greater than Jonah, he's talking about when he was in three days and three nights in the deep. Because on the cross, Jesus summarized the suffering that Jonah experienced, but to an infinitely greater degree. Because on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jonah went to the depths of the sea to save the sailors. And Jesus went to the depths of hell, to the depths of death and separation from God, the most painful thing anyone could ever experience. 
in order to save Jonah and in order to save us. Jonah was buried underneath the waves and the billows of the waters of the storm. But Jesus, our God, was buried under the waves and the billows of God's wrath so that he could say, you can be confident in this. This is my love for you. This is who I am, and it will never change. He did that to prove it to you and to prove it to me. And today, the God that went to these depths for you, the, the God that displays this covenant love for you, his presence is here today. And his grace for you is here today as well. Because he's been pursuing you. He'll go to the depths of the sea, wherever to find you. And you can call out, you can call out in your distress and he'll answer and he'll hear your voice. So today I wanna give you the opportunity to know him, to follow him with all of your heart, to give him your full repentance. So if you're in the room, you can bow your head and close your eyes. If you're watching online, we just encourage you to pray this prayer with us. We wanna give you the opportunity to follow him with all of your heart all of your soul to give your life to him today. So Jesus, we just thank you that you are here. God, we thank you that you are worthy of all repentance. And although we are stubborn and although we think we can be like you, God, we confess right now there's no one like you. There's no one more infinite. There's no one with more wisdom. There is no one like you, God. You have displayed a love to us that we are having a, a hard time understanding. And God, we just want to understand more of your grace. God, if we're in the waiting season today, if you're here and you're in the waiting season today, God, we ask you, help us know that you're working in all of the waiting. Whatever the deliverance looks like, God, we trust you. God, you are holy and you don't sin, so you won't sin against us. Your motives are always right towards us, God, so we trust you and we trust your heart. And God, we ask that you would help repentance be our daily practice, that as we eliminate idols from our lives, as we pursue only you, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, God, you would be the only thing that we seek and there will be no hindrances from the people in our lives knowing your grace and knowing your mercy. Search our hearts today, God. Your word says, let man not boast. Let the wise man not boast in his, in his wisdom. Let the rich man not boast in his riches. Let the strong man not boast in his might. But let he who boasts boast in this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness. God, this is you. This is who we serve and we love you so much. We wanna be more like you. So if you're here today, if you're in the room, you're watching online and you say, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know him, but I need him. And this grace that you talk about, I thought it was pretty cheap before this, but I can see that this is so deep that I want to know it even more. And today, if you want to follow Jesus, if you make the decision to follow him for the first time or you rededicate your life, if you've been running, you can come home today. You can be released today. 
true deliverance, real deliverance. So if that's you today and you say, Steph, I want to know him, I want to follow him, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or, or do anything. I just want to pray for you wherever you are. So today, if that's you, would you just raise your hand in this room right now? Yeah, I see you on the right. Anyone else say, Steph, that's me. I need real deliverance. Yeah, I see you on the left. Say, I've been running, but, but God's found me today. If you're watching online, you can make this decision too. The host will direct you in that. But whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room, I just want to ask you to, to repeat this prayer with me. We're going to pray it all together. So repeat this with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you have chased after me, that you have laid down your life to free me. I want to follow you, God, for all of the days of my life. Salvation is a gift. And today I believe and confess in following you. Help me live a life that brings glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with those who made the decision? Man, we just want to we just want to walk with you on this journey and help you just grow in your faith and become all that God is asking you to be. And so, um, what you can do to help us connect with you and follow up with you is whether you're watching online or here in the room, all of you can text the word "different" to the number ninety four thousand. And when you do that, you'll receive a text, and we'll just follow up with you. There's also cards in the seat back in front of you. It says "salvation." You can fill that out and drop it in the boxes or at the info center on your way out. We are so proud of you. This was by far the best decision you'll ever make in your life because knowing the depths of God's grace is, is worth pursuing all the days of your life. But we, um, we are not praying in the front of the room. Usually we pray in front of the room, but we are still continuing to pray for your needs, to believe God for your needs and agree with you. And so you can still, you can still submit your needs. The way you can do that is there's a card in the seat back in front of you. It says need prayer. Fill that out, put it in the boxes or give it to the info center. Or if you're watching online, uh, the hosts are ready to pray with you live right where you're at. You can also email your prayer needs to prayer at summitpa.church. But we just want to let you know that we, we believe with you and we agree with you and, and we're praying for you. But uh, I'm grateful for what God's done today. I'm grateful for his word. And uh, I'm excited to continue this series, to continue to, to learn all that God wants to show us through the book of Jonah. And I hope that I want to encourage you to continue to to come um, two more two more parts of Jonah four chapters so you got two more weeks alright no just kidding come to church for the rest of your life um, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share with you for the opportunity to speak with you and I pray that it brings forth much fruit that this book of Jonah brings forth much fruit in your life and the people around you but I am so grateful to be with you I love you guys more than you know and I hope you have a great weekend